Hello, and welcome back to the Self Healer Soundboard. On today's episode, we want to continue the conversation we've been having over the last couple of weeks and focus on feeling our feelings. So we want to carve out specific time to break down what it actually means then to feel your feelings and why also that's necessary in our healing. I think a really great place, Jenna, for us to start is by talking about what feelings or emotions are. Why do we even want to connect or why is it important to connect with this aspect of self? And so feelings actually begin in the body as emotions and they are our way of communicating with the environment around us. Um, If you've heard myself or Jenna speak about the work, you'll often hear us talking about being energetic creatures or having this kind of outer extra sensory experience and the reality of it is we are in our bodies that is, is in communication with the environment around us and the way that it's expressed, the way that we can hear its signals is by the emotions or the sensations really simply in our body, how our muscles feel, how our heart rate feels, how our blood is pumping, how are we breathing? All of that actually contains information and really one foundational piece of information, which is, are we safe? Is what's going on in my current environment something that I can safely experience or is it a threat? Do I need to turn away or keep myself, find safety somehow, some way? So grounding this conversation, I think, in the importance of those sensations, those feelings, those emotions, they really have a lot of important data for us. And again, originate, originating them in our body, I think, opens that conversation up of what we're talking about here reconnecting and the need to, before we can feel our feelings, right? We need to be in the body that's experiencing those sensations. I think it's really important here and honestly, really critical to normalize having feelings and one step further to normalize actually feeling our feelings, specifically when we are in a society that kind of unconsciously trains ourself to move past things and move past feelings rather than actually surrendering to what is and moving through feelings to actually be a witness to our emotions, to the physical sensations, to the grief, to the pain, to the wisdom, everything that happens internally and emotionally. We very seldom learn to embrace that and to surrender to that and the wisdom and teachings that really are carved within those moments and instead sort of just brush by them or move past them in this kind of go, go, go nature and society, which is why it is so important to really illuminate the need to honor feelings, to feel feelings, and to realize that it's our responsibility then to become aware of that and actually carve out time and allow ourselves to actually sit with and be with the physical feelings and sensations. I couldn't agree more, Jenna. And I think in addition to, for some of us, it's gendered, it's cultural, Um, It might be religious inspired messages around feelings. I think a lot of those come at the societal level. And there's also the experiences that we've lived in our first earliest relationships, which is where essentially, if we really want to simplify it, we learn how to feel our feelings based on, again, if we had that space to use that word again here in those early relationships. So did we, where we raised around caregivers or in a family where we did witness those around us going through the full spectrum of emotions? And then were they able to show up for us, to help us regulate when we were feeling sad or grief or 
anger or whatever it is that we might be experiencing. So in addition to messages, there's that lived experience with the reality for most of us being we didn't have the space in our in our family units. We didn't witness people. We might have come from a family where all or some emotions weren't to be talked about, were to be swept under the rug. Or, you know, I know from my experience, not having an emotionally attuned mother in particular really didn't set me up to learn how to feel my feelings at all. And because we're so adaptive, when we are left without support or without the modeling of how to go through our feelings like you're describing, we adapt. And what that adaptation looks like for some of us is disconnecting, right? If what is in my body is so overwhelming for me and I don't have the tools to walk through it at this time, I will, at least my experience was, I will check out from that body. I will go on my spaceship. I will distract myself. I will erupt outward, not really having, again, the tools because we're limited by those that came before us, especially when we're talking about feeling our feelings or not. When I look back into my own life, I can see where there were many years where it's almost as if I used not feeling my feelings as a badge of honor. When I was younger, things were very turbulent. They were very violent. They were aggressive and unsafe. And in that situation, there was a detachment from my feelings, from emotion. There wasn't an adult or caregiver around me who could attune to even honoring whatever my emotion was, let alone being there in it with me and potentially explaining what that was or just holding space. I was surrounded by other human beings, both my siblings and adults, who emotionally were also children. They also were frozen back in time from their own wounding and their own trauma response within their own childhood. So fending for myself became just kind of what you do. And I learned to embrace that. I learned to reap a lot of strengths and what I looked at as benefits of that. And only in reflection now at 35, can I start to see where a lot of what I looked at as armor or strength or resiliency was actually really a protective reaction where I was so detached from allowing myself to grieve, to feel the pain. I self-harmed for many years as a way to inflict some sort of physical emotion or some sort of physical pain because I had made myself so numb, though viewing it through a lens of, oh, I'm safe. I can be resilient. I can rise above all of this because of this deep, deep fear of actually allowing myself to feel the pain that was there to be felt. I instead buried that down only for it to still be here, finding it in my 30s. When I'm at new and deeper layers of my own healing, that pain then surfaces again. It didn't disappear because I became a professional at pushing it away and numbing it. Instead, it's been waiting really to come forth and for me to be in a position where I am able to welcome it and I am able to actually feel it in a healthy way rather than it exploding years down the road. I love how you're describing it as a badge of honor, Jen, and I'm really relating to that. Um, you know, from a very early on, I did kind of attune to the very big overwhelming feelings um, that were happening in my home, a lot of which were around health, health crises, really emergent, seemingly immediate things that needed time and attention and, and handling. And so what that message indirectly, 
you know, kind of how that was absorbed by my developing, you know, childish brain and mind and set of meetings was that, you know, anything else that I put on to this overtax system would create more worry, more stress, more overwhelming feelings. So very much like you, I brought less and less to the family. And before very long, I would hear um, murmurings in my household of my mom, my sister, my dad, you know, always kind of commenting on my secretive nature and nothing bothers Nicole. And, you know, we really don't get to, it was this armor. I think that you're very beautifully describing what was being commented on this idea um, again, that I didn't have emotions was being projected outward into my family. And that's because I, I wasn't bringing them emotions. And very early on, I think I was probably around 12 years old, um, when through an older friend in the neighborhood that I was hanging out with at the time, um, I discovered drinking and smoking pot. And, you know, in a very similar way to I hear you describing yourself harm, that using of substances and detaching for me was another adaptation. Okay, if I just get high, if I just drink a little bit, right, all of those feelings are even further pushed down. But to speak to your point, not that they ever went away. I just wasn't looking. I was living in my head. I was living from my spaceship. And all of the while, all of the feelings that I actually was ha having, because things were bothering Nicole, I just was so distanced from them and they were accumulating, building up and, you know, often driving either that continued numbing behavior or those moments of complete reactivity. And we tend to live in a society where regardless of what the conversation topic is at hand, there's boxes that everything goes into. Most of the time, they're moral boxes. Something is good and something is bad. It's either one or the other. And feelings, just like anything else, tend to go in this direction. A feeling is good. A feeling is bad. Women tend to be seen as hysterical and over-emotional, while men are then shamed for showing emotion. They're told they're weak if they cry. And I'm only using male, female specifically. Those are the really the gender and cultural stigmas that I've grown up with, that Nicole has grown up with. And you can see that from such a young age, all of those are already influencing you, your own response, your own adaptation of emotion, and your own safety within feeling and expressing emotion. I know as a child, when I was first born, I was colicky for months. So when I first was pulled out of my mother, I didn't cry for a few minutes. They had to keep flicking me and pinching me to get me to start crying. And then once I did start crying, I don't think I stopped probably for the first six months of my life. And I look at whatever trauma that was experiencing and causing then for my family too very early in childhood. It seemed that nature just continued on throughout the years in my childhood. I remember throwing tantrums all of the time, crying and throwing, being emotional all of the time, never having a safe space to actually process the sadness and probably the fear and the confusion for the reality around me. And I would get made fun of for that. I would get taunted by that. I had a surprise birthday party thrown for my twin brother and I when we were I don't know, maybe six or seven. Our birthday was always in the, it's in the winter in January. So it was always snowing and we could never have a party. So one summer they threw us a half birthday surprise party outside and the excitement shock factor of something that completely blindsided me as a kid just really scared me. And my response to the surprise was to go crawl under a table to find some enclosed safety. And I just bawled and my dad and my brothers came up to me taunting and started 
crying and like, or pointing fingers at me crying, saying it's my party and I'll cry if I want to. And I distinctly remember being so shamed for that and always being told, oh, Jenna always cries. Jenna's always throwing a tantrum. And when I reflect back now, yes, little Jenna was always crying and was always literally desperate to be soothed. And I see very early where that connotation of, you know, I'm ashamed of my emotion. I'm ashamed of when I cry too much because it's been ingrained too that as a woman, especially in my house, my mother and I were crazy. We were too much and displayed too much emotion. Whereas if Jake or Josh, my siblings, were to fall down and get hurt or get injured and show emotion, they were then also ridiculed for showing emotion as a male because as boys, they should be able to withstand anything without having any physical or emotional response. So, you know, in, in bringing this to the conversation of how to feel feelings, right, the first, I think, point of exploration is to notice all of the different moments and ways that were not because for a very long time, I would have never um, described myself as nothing bothers Nicole um, because I didn't necessarily see um, the connection between all of these ways that I'd gotten very savvy at keeping myself disconnected from my emotions and the deeper emotions that were driving that disconnection. Because I'm imagining a lot of you out there listening when we're you know unpacking a discussion around feeling our emotions, we might still be using those adaptations, coping with emotions by looking the other way, by living in our minds, um, by just erupting and exploding out when they've gotten past that point of, of no return or to the point where we are now in a reaction of. Because um, it took me until I was, I think in my late 20s, very early 30s, where having heard myself described by a colleague at the time as aloof, um, through another friend who, when I was in a psychoanalytic program, one of the gifts was having these moments of having your colleagues, you know, share their impression of you, their experience with you. And the first time I'd caught wind of nothing, Nicole's nothing bothers Nicole now turned into this person that, you know, I thought was getting to know me in these moments where I was sharing parts of myself, still describing me as aloof. Um, again, that disconnection was so apparent to me because I was living aloof. I was living disconnected and I wasn't even aware of what was going on underneath the surface until I got curious, until I began to explore. So for some of you, that might mean exploring what you're doing in reaction to your emotions before we can really understand what's going on beneath the surface. Everything you've heard myself or Nicole share just now it has been in reflection of ourselves, it's feedback and information and gained awareness that we have of ourselves from peeling back and witnessing ourselves, observing ourselves, allowing others around us to also observe us as Nicole was specifically sharing the observations of her colleagues. Now, be mindful that any information or observation you're taking as feedback from those around you is not the end-all be-all. That is their opinion and their feedback. The most important really core presence that you want to focus on here is yourself, your own feelings, your own view of yourself. 
particularly starting with your own objective view, which means just peeling back and actually witnessing you, witnessing the feelings and sensations that you do experience now, witnessing how you do respond or react to specific experiences or relationships or situations, and beginning to open ourselves up to curiosity of a deeper dive of really where that comes from, but also why we have so much shame attached to allowing ourselves feel, why there's this stigma there attached to certain feelings that we have. I know when I'm feeling emotional or like I want to cry or need to cry, I have a gained awareness that it is healthy for me to release that. However, there's still this voice in the back of my mind that I know comes from childhood that is immediately shaming of expressing emotion. It immediately wants to go run and hide so that my partners don't see me show any emotion. Even here recording this podcast, there are certain things that we'll talk about that will absolutely ignite, you know, my throat will get choked up or my chest will get really heavy and I'll feel like I'm going to cry and I have to catch myself in that moment and really train myself to breathe and be present because there's still this immediate subconscious shame that comes in for allowing myself to show my humanness to you, which is the most vulnerable display of emotion that to me actually is humanity and is human. I talked about this um, a couple episodes ago when we were talking about shame, like you brought up earlier, and going back to this this concept of wearing um, the unfeelingness or having no feelings and wearing that um, as a badge of honor. And for me, what that looked like is getting to a point in my adulthood where showing any feeling, having any expression of an emotional need was so uncomfortable for me, um, that in a way to use your language, um, I was wearing as a badge of honor, this idea or this persona or this avatar of being an, an emotional um, human who has no emotional needs, none that I am comfortable expressing in, in a relationship. And for a very long time, even gesturing or allowing a partner to know that I was having an, an emotional feeling was inherently so unfamiliar. Again, going back to that early childhood environment where it was too overwhelming, where there was a lack of support. So what that translated for me as was just don't show any emotions to anyone else and really understanding all of the different reactionary ways that I was then presenting myself in the world. While meanwhile, all of these emotional needs were still present in my body. So how can I, to use your language, right, hold space for myself in a new way? And it doesn't always happen in real time for a lot. A lot of the time for me, it's after the fact, after I've, you know, had that disconnection or that eruption because, you know, I reached my bandwidth and and I exploded outward and kind of then backtracking and getting curious and beginning to unpack, okay, well, clearly, Nicole, there was an emotional need that, you know, came out in this particular way. Um, what, what could it have been? Because all of that shame and all of that protection was so unconscious that I was so disconnected from even having a need to even be able to then share that with someone else. Pretty much all of these episodes and all of the topics that we discuss here in the community come from the community and also come from what it is that we are experiencing personally and what we are dealing with on a daily basis, which happens to also be connected to what most of you are also experiencing and dealing with on a daily basis, especially 
in the world that we all share and are in today and all of the current events that we share in that are happening around the world all of the time. We're collectively almost in a a nonstop growing and evolution and also a nonstop grieving and a nonstop pain that I think a lot of people are really trying to wrap their heads around and make sense of. And for myself personally, I know that that even as I'm speaking now, I can feel that lump in my throat. I'm like, Janet, just get through it. (laughs) Don't start crying. Even though if I were to, I would still try and pull it together and be here in tears or not and be as human and as vulnerable as I can. And through that sort of collective resonance and feeling and that collective experience, that's really where this episode came from. I mean, these aren't scripted. We don't know how it's going to flow or what we're going to say. And if you're watching on the YouTube video, you can see Nicole and I are both in sweats. I'm in a super like Mm -hmm. fuzzy, comfy, oversized sweatshirt. And there have been so many moments, even in recording this, where I see myself getting in my head, beating myself up, you know, being too wordy, not articulating even what is the topic of this episode? What are you giving people of value? And I've been bringing myself continuously back to the present moment, remembering that the whole point of recording this episode was because I really needed to feel my own feelings. And I know Nicole can relate because there's There's nothing really separate or different about me than anyone else. So I was starting to really see, as Nicole was sharing, you know, if we don't actually process our emotion, we don't process and allow our feelings, they don't disappear. They will erupt elsewhere or they will erupt outward at someone else who had nothing to do with the initial ignition of that feeling. And for me personally, a lot of that that's been coming up is is anger. It is grief. It is pain. It is really a new, very clear, sober lens on just what did and did not happen in my childhood, especially being in the months following my brother Jake's death and really I don't know if coming to terms is the right way to put it, but continuously every day accepting and reminding myself of the reality of his physical death and really pulling apart and finding all of the the teaching and the patterns and the treasures that led up to or really were his life leading up to his death. Because while Jake's death wasn't preventable because it happened the way that it did. I know Jake and Jake's story and so many others like Jake right now in the current who are still alive, that is prevention. I do see where creating a normalization and removing or at least honoring that there is a stigma and then putting the stigma in the backseat and taking focus away from it and removing that shame and that judgment and just normalizing the fact that we are humans that feel we're happy, we get excited, we grieve, we get angry, sometimes we're mean and really allowing ourselves to explore with compassion and curiosity why all of these feelings and sensations are within us and also learning how to label them, how to give language and articulation for what I am experiencing so that I can tell someone like my partner, you know, I'm feeling really lonely or sad right now. I'm feeling really angry. This isn't about you, but I'm really angry and upset 
about something that happened in the past, or maybe I'm just really angry and upset. And I know that it's my job now as an adult to cope with that, to find a healthy way to cope with that. I'm no longer going to self-harm. I'm no longer going to turn to drinking or other addictive measures. Instead, I'm going to learn to love myself first, to learn language for my emotions, and then be able to have the courage, cultivate the courage really, to outwardly express that to others and also just allow myself to accept it and also feel and actually be in it, knowing that it's only occurring because I am strong enough to endure it. So as we've been, you know, talking about all this conversation, not only do these emotions not go anywhere, even if we've gotten very adapted at, at not looking them, at squashing them, at, you know, suppressing them in whatever way that we do, um, not only are they ultimately still there within us, if we go back kind of full circle to this conversation, we're cutting ourselves off from the value, the messages like you're describing to be able to then have the words to say, hey, partner, this is how we gain a felt experience of another person by hearing what their reality is in that moment. Even if it doesn't necessarily match up to what our body is telling us, having that safe space for me to hear that, you know, Jenna, after getting curious, is having sadness or grief or anger below the surface, understanding that that sadness, grief, and anger contains a message. There's something deeper that is happening for Jenna. She may not be feeling safe in the moment. There might be a need. Maybe it's just an emotional need to have someone else sharing that sense of what she's experiencing with her. So if we don't, again, tune in, we're cutting ourselves off from those important messengers that can translate to deeper connections or bonding with another human being. It's not sharing their same experience necessarily. It's just being able to hear from their experience, from their perspective, what is going on on that deeper level for them and allowing that to just, like you're saying, destigmatize it, throw away the shame, just be what it is. Even if you're not having that same experience, giving someone else the gift of having their experience heard or having it have air. I think it's important to give yourself a lot of love and a lot of really credit and space to know that it's okay to be afraid to feel those feelings. We, many of us are terrified to feel because there's also a fear that if we do feel when we've been autopiloted and dissociated and numb to our feelings our whole life, well, we did that out of perfect protection. So when we do choose to actually feel, there's a very real fear that that feeling of our feelings quite literally will kill us. It will overtake us. There was a study done particularly with veterans who had been at war and experienced PTSD. And one of the most common responses of these veterans in the experience of feeling their feelings was a fear that if they allowed themselves to feel that pain again, to feel or process the trauma and the tragedy and the grief that they had endured, that they quite literally would never stop crying, that their bodies would not be able to recover from that reconnection and processing of pain. Now, that's not some made up thing. That's a very real, true fear that is in our minds and also is held within our bodies. So it is so imperative here to 
like the episode that is currently out now, extend self-compassion to embody self-compassion. Give yourself that compassion and understanding that while you may be 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, that's likely meant you've spent all of those decades not allowing yourself to actually feel. So the very act of feeling sadness, feeling grief or pain, let alone carving out time to actually allow your body to be and to grieve and cry those tears is going to feel very, very threatening to you. I love you you offering that here, Jenna, and it's really understandable because all our mind has is those earliest experiences where that depth of sadness, just to use that example, probably did feel engulfing if you didn't have a safe parent to make sense of sadness and the experience of it. And furthermore, the experience, most importantly, I should say, of it going away. Without that, of course, our mind brings up, well, there was a time where I was completely consumed by this feeling. I was completely alone in this feeling. I was completely overwhelmed by this feeling. So now in this moment, some decades later, it's as if I'm not in this moment at all. I'm that little child without that support where it's easier to extend compassion if we, I think, have that understanding. I'm not the, you know, 50 some plus whatever it is aged adult in this moment at all. I might as well be that little child having that completely debilitating experience, though then the 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 goal of how to feel our feelings really does become, as we often talk about here, an embodiment practice. It's not a just enough to logically know this. We have to actually teach our body in that moment how to release these sensations that some of us have been carrying for decades, how to do so in a, in a safe way so that we can develop that then confidence and confidence being, I can feel what I'm feeling in a secure, safe way without erupting, exploding, or imploding the world around me. To really simply boil down this episode and start integrating or strengthening your own practice of feeling your feelings, start first with self-witnessing. Begin to observe your own physical body, your own feelings and sensations in different relationships, different experiences, different situations, how you respond or react to certain events or certain memories. All of that wisdom, all of your learnings, all of these treasures that you will discover about yourself are here within your own existence, you first have to become present to them. So become present to yourself. Observe yourself. Start to tune into your actual physical body, this physical vessel that is allowing you to express your life and your being outward. Pay attention to your emotions. Pay attention to your physical sensations. And before anything else, simply start to observe your reactions, start to observe your responses, and maybe begin allowing yourself to give words to them, to give labels or names to certain emotions or feelings so that you will allow yourself to, yes, articulate and have conversation with others to better express yourself, but first to be able to express yourself better to your own self first. So saying that, we'd love to hear what 
comes up for you guys in this conversation of feeling your feelings or emotions, what rose to the surface for you, what you've discovered, what questions you may have, drop them in the comments below. We love this really ongoing community conversation and discussion that these episodes and this space that is the self-healer soundboard continue to be. So drop us a comment on YouTube is the best way for us to engage with you. And we look forward to being with you again next week. Thank you for tuning in.